All right. All We're right. back with another episode of Skull Session Salute, where we pay tribute and celebrate the life of the late great Bob Now Bandian. And I'm pleased to have with me today a staple behind the scene, the LA scene there in the 80s, uh, during the heyday of that classic LA metal scene there in the 80s, Mr. William Howell, better better known to many as DJ Will. Will, how are you, man? Thanks for coming on with me. I'm good, man. Thank you for having me uh, for this. This is great. Yeah, no, I appreciate you coming on, Will. So, Will, you know, speaking of Bob, I know you guys, of course, you go way back uh, to, the, like I was saying, those glorious days of the early 80s in the L.A. metal scene. And you obviously, I know um, you were an A&R guy for a while there for Metal Blade Records um, during that time as well. And, of course, you know, at that time, Bob had his infamous fanzine, The Headbanger, coming out of Orange County. So, obviously, you've known Bob now for, you know, better part of four decades um, and you know, so many that I've spoken to so far doing this have said that, you know, they can't really recall exactly a lot of people say, you know, I can't really recall exactly the first time I met Bob, but that he was always around. So it was just, you know, it was just, <laughs> he was always around the seat. So it was hard yeah. for the pinpoint, but for you, I mean, if you don't mind, I mean, just talk about it. <laughs> yeah. If you can remember, I know it's a long time ago, but, uh, what was the first time you met Bob, uh, uh when you guys were working together with bands back there in the early eighties in LA? Well, one place. Thank you. And again, I really appreciate this because my, um, you know, as we went, as we're doing this, this is post uh, the celebration of life we had for Bob uh, here in Hollywood. So my, my emotions were high then. So this will pick right back up. But one place I can tell you absolutely for certain where I did not meet Bob for the, the, for the very first time. And very few people can say that. And that would be at the very first Metallica show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bob was there. Bob was mm. uh, in there. So there is that. So no, no one can say, I was, I was there when I was there from the beginning. It's like very few people. There's a small list, a very, very small list. And only, only Bob can, can say he's on that list. But mm. uh, my, my history with Bob kind of falls in that same spectrum of, you know, all the different shows and concerts that, I would attend, I would see Bob, but I'm going to have to say potentially, and it makes sense because it's, it's, it just becomes very cyclical with one band and that would be Armored Saint. Okay. Uh, Armored Saint did a lot of shows like the Troubadour, um, you know, with, you know, just around and, and, and whiskey and whatnot, but I want to say a uh, country club in in the, in Reseda, California, but I want to say it was a troubadour, 92 or 93, and I believe he was at the in-store for Blue Mini, at Blue Mini Records in Woodland Hills, and that was probably the first time I met him. This was pre, um, or the very early stages as he was starting the Headbanger fanzine, because okay. meeting him in person was at one of those places and then i know that we we eventually uh, were tape traders uh, okay you know, pen pals and all that but we mm. lived in different area codes but it, for the most part i would say our saint 82 or 83 it's wow. fuzzy but that's what i can pinpoint okay awesome well that's great you can pinpoint it because i guess a lot of people can which is, is kind of funny you know um but um, yeah, it's great. So, well, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, guys like yourself, Bob, 
um, you know, obviously behind the scenes guys, I mean, you guys were obviously extremely pivotal in terms of making the scene, uh, you know, in my opinion, at least what eventually it became. I mean, in order for uh, any scene to become a movement, which really is what that scene became, I mean, you need to have behind the scene people to get, you know, get it to a point where there's just a heavy push, whether it's via radio or magazines, periodicals, whatever it may be. Um, and, you know, the one really great thing that I noticed about you guys who really were there in the early days of, the, of, of the, that metal scene, working behind the scenes, is that, you know, there's really, it didn't seem like there was really any competition or anything among any of you. You guys, I mean, all, I guess I saw it, obviously, at, at the Celebration Life with Bob for Bob, too. I mean, and just from here talking, you know, to Bob for so long and him telling stories, I mean, it seems like you guys really all just got along so well. You know, in my experiences working in the music business, especially in L.A., which I did for a while, you know, it's a cutthroat business. Everyone knows that, you know, it's it's your cliches, yeah. you know, adjectives, you know, that people use to describe <laughs> it. But, you know, I mean, the L.A. scene though, really seemed like it was a bit of an anomaly. You know, like there was just such a unique camaraderie amongst and just like that community feel amongst everybody. And it seemed like you guys were really just all bonded by the music. And there was really nothing that really ever got in the way of that, which, like I said, is extremely rare. I mean, in your opinion, I mean, why do you think you guys really, why, what is that? Why is it so different with, you know, um, your guys are seen in community when it came to really having that camaraderie that you just don't really see that often, you know, within the music business? My, my experience really, for the most part, was dealing with underground rock and heavy metal bands, underground rock and heavy metal bands that weren't getting airplay, weren't getting exposure in the magazines, uh, you know, the, the, the big magazines and that. Mm -hmm. It was all, underground literally meant underground. And we're, you know, we're talking pre-internet, pre-all that. Mm -hmm. When you see the same faces time and time again, that's where you strike up that friendship because we have the same interests. Mm -hmm. uh, collecting the same, you know, releases time and time again. So over a period of moments where this is a continuing cycle, there really is no competition in, in the way I, the way I'm trying to put it is we are hungry to see all these bands because it's very exciting, very new much like all those uh, bands at the time, they're hungry, up and coming, trying to get signed, trying to get their names out there, whatever awareness that they can and can make. So we, we built this this friendship over so many over so many years. And when I get into the areas of, of tape trading and then starting at Metal Blade Records, you know, doing pretty much everything under the sun, um, hey, you know, when I'm seeing people from the labels, we're really kind of going for the same thing. But meanwhile, it's like, you know, I'm not, and we're not even discussing budgets. It's, it's about mm -hmm. the discussion of music, the discussion of why we're here. Why are we at this dinky, dingy garage seeing this band play three or four songs if, you mm -hmm. know, that they can impress us or they can leave an impression so we can take this tape to or to our bosses and things of that nature. So again, um, you know, just with Metal Blade was uh, distributed by Enigma Records, you know, Enigma 
had their reps at the time. And then Enigma also had, you know, different labels like Restless and whatnot. So they, they signed everything under the sun. Relativity, combat, that was back east. But in my circle, just in the Los Angeles area, you know, all the big boys, all the big major labels, they really they really weren't in the picture all that much in terms of what I was going out and trying to sign because metal blade, you know, we, you know, we were signing bands that we liked. We weren't looking mm -hmm. for, you know, you know, songwriters and hit songs and things of that nature where the, the you know, all the big labels at that time, their focus on, I mean, yeah, they had rock and, and, and metal acts on their label, but it was a gradual thing. So that whole explosion was like 83 on, they were then signing everything under the sun, obviously starting with um, in the very early stages, you know, Quiet Riot, Rat getting signed on and on and on. So that that's that became a thing. But meanwhile, pre that, we're, we're basically just surrounding ourselves with these underground great bands that we enjoyed rather than trying to sign them for, you know, big long-term record deals was we didn't have mm -hmm. the funds for a big long or an independent you know independent label and mm -hmm. you know god bless brian slagle for starting the label and getting it up and running you know with, with obviously the metal master compilations and all the bands and everyone knows you know if you, you know your metal history or at least with with metal blade records uh how much how important they were uh to so many bands trying to make it um, in Los Angeles, but I, again, all the different familiar faces, the, the folks, you know, the, the radio, the marketing, the retail folks, Hey, it's like, you know, it, it, there's, there's no, we're sharing information. It's not like, Oh, I, I found these, these, you know, five or six groups and I'm not going to tell you about it. It, it, mm -hmm. it just, it just really wasn't that it was not, as you mentioned, cutthroat is kind of, it, it really became in the latter years, but in that era, early eighties, just in the mid to the mid early eighties, you know, you know, 87, 88, it's tough. It's tough to sort of narrow that down, but just, you just saw this progression change when the, the majors came calling, then the, the, the paradigm shifted a bit, but early mm. on, there just wasn't my experience. It, it, there was none of that. Okay. Yeah. That makes, it makes a lot of sense. Then that's, that's the reason why. And like I said, it is so unique and it's just, um, you know, you guys are definitely blessed to have, to have experienced something. A lot of us wish we, we could have in LA at that time, you know, there's no doubt about it. Um, so, Will, you know, I was talking the other day to, um, to Bernie K from sound barrier, uh, doing the same thing here. And, you know, he was mentioning to me that obviously, you know, for him and, and for the band, mm -hmm. it was obviously very difficult back in the early 80s for them to get any attention in the early goings, obviously, because of how they look, being an all black, you know, all black band. Um, but he mentioned how Bob really was one of those exceptions where, you know, he was obviously always at their shows. And he was championing them, uh, pushing them in the headbanger when most simply just really had no interest initially supporting a band like them. Um, yeah. you know, from being, being around Bob and knowing him, obviously, you know, during those early days, I mean, how critical were guys like Bob and Brian Slagle, who obviously later signed in the middle, but how critical really and significant were they when it came to promoting and pushing for a more really inclusive and diverse scene during those days, which, you know, obviously in the early days, it just wasn't. But Bob was crucial. Um, he, he, he just was, he had the ability 
to network. He had the ability to, you know, if I said talk about music, but really get into the nuts and bolts of why this song is important, why this band will do something. He, he did a lot of forecasting because being early on uh, supporters of underground music and, and all the artists that have come from that, he had the voice and that was something that um, a lot of people did not take the time to do. I mean, it, you know, this is a lot of legwork, a lot of burning calories to get to shows, you know, whether you drive, you're taking the bus or you're getting dropped all that. Mm. It, it's a lot of work because you, you're going to the show, you're, you're, you're there for hours on end, you talk to the band, you're hanging out uh, after the show, you're exchanging numbers, you're, you're exchanging all this information, and then, you know, all that knowledge Bob accumulated, of course, it resulted in him uh, doing uh, the, uh, the Headbanger fanzine. He also championed a band called Eden. Um, he went, you know, to give you a ba basketball analogy, he really did a, a full full court press and then getting them signed. Uh, mm -hmm. For those that may not know, Eden were a band put out a release in 1986, and they came out of uh, the ashes of a band called August Red Moon, uh, based in Orange County, who he also uh, championed very well. So he, again, just really wanted to highlight bands that weren't going to get the time of day um, from, you know, the circus and the hit paraders um, at the time, you know, everything was relegated. Uh, really, seriously, uh, it's, it's, it's easy for anyone to just click on YouTube and just sort of see what the new single or the new band is out there. But we really had to struggle to find this information. That's why the pen pals, the, the fanzines, that's what kept the, you know, that's what kept things going. And Bob was at the, seriously, uh, he was at the forefront of that. And it, it really, it really helps immensely uh, to so many bands, especially for the exposure, because what they would do is take whatever write-up of the demo or the EP or the LP that they've pressed themselves. Bob would write about it, put it in his fanzine, and they would take that review and put it in their press kit. Or, hey, we got this, you know, we got nine stars and headbanger fanzine. It was a big deal. You know, if you see that in you know, Metal Forces, there was Kick-Ass Monthly back east. Um, on and on and on. There was fanzines all over the world, but for Los Angeles area with Headbanger, just having a re review uh, was a big deal. And even when Brian Slagle, who uh, who did it earlier with the mm -hmm. heavy metal review, that was also uh, something that Brian was passionate about with uh, doing his fanzine. And he eventually, his trajectory, of course, went into the compilations and then doing a label. But Bob was nonstop. Even when the headbanger stopped after I think a dozen or so plus issues, he kept mm -hmm. going. It was it was it was it was continuous. All the legacy bands, he still would talk about their new releases or the new tour because he had a voice and he had a passionate voice where he could meticulously talk about the songs, lyrics, the the artwork we i remember getting into long dissertations about um what what it meant to have a strong album cover um because if you didn't know anything about the music if they had like metal studs or, or a flying v or a marshall stack from the album cover we're just picking up just based on that 
um, mm. you know, there's a band called Trance uh, from Europe. That one comes to mind. That was um, there was a hand coming out of coffin, and then see uh, or plug. I'm trying to remember the um, the cover design, but that I mean, this is off the top of my head. But that was a conversation that we had about. I knew about them from a fanzine. It's like uh, I go. He goes, yeah. I didn't get a chance to write about them, but this you know, Metal Hammer did something on them. Yeah, I only picked up that album because of the album cover, and it turns out it was pretty damn heavy, or you know, mm -hmm. it's just just little 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 anecdotal things like that that was his specialty is giving you the reason why you should listen to these bands so you don't get that much you know yeah you can uh, you know publicists can send out a press release and give you long paragraphs about an upcoming release and give you all these bullet points about um what to listen for it's not the same thing. It's, mm -hmm. Bob was was, you know, he was he was he was rare, uh, rare rare person in, in in terms of what he could do um, by just his words. So no, my, that yeah. that's a lost art. Absolutely, yeah. And like I said, he's uh, yeah, very just a unique person. Like I said, all around yeah. like that, and that's what a lot of people obviously been. Everyone share. That's one thing everybody obviously agrees on is just how unique he was in, in that regard. Absolutely, um, you know. So I mean, Will, we were talking a little bit before we we started here that you know obviously you you've worked with Bob a lot. You've been in his movies. Um, you've like I said appeared on <laughs> T Radio yeah. V, you know, episode yeah, about yeah. almost ten years yeah. ago, right? Um, yeah, yeah. To promote the Inside Middle series, Bob obviously, obviously, has always had you know great respect for you and and knew your importance, of course, to the scene just as much as his was. If you don't mind, if there's just sharing, well, I mean, I guess if there's anything that comes to mind, one maybe particular moment or story that stands out when you think of Bob and your history with him, what would that what would that be? That's that's yeah, forty years of knowledge in this old noggin and <laughs> oh, yeah. boy. Hmm. Or just one well, particular moment that's that you know you can remember that just comes to mind. Well, I'll share this with you. Um, it was well both. I'll, I'll give you two sad occasions and one joyous occasion. Okay. And um, we, we had shared, we had shared um, conversations at obviously at all three. Um, the two occasions, uh, one of which was uh, the passing of uh, David Richard uh, from Armored okay. Saint. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, Bob was at his services uh, in uh, Pasadena. Uh, Bob also attended uh, services to Gina Zamparelli, who was uh, another amazing promoter of music as well as um, uh, booking bands. You know, she was a known booker, and her her background was being one of the very few female um, people to do that here in Los Angeles. Um, but what she did, it was Perkins Palace. Perkins okay. Palace was a venue that was really strong in its heyday. 
And once it went away, Bob was, you know, instrumental in trying to uh, get this venue uh, to, to sort of like landmark status so they didn't mow it down for condos. Um, this was, mm-hmm. and uh, Bob was along the way um, to, you know, try to help Gene along. Now, while that didn't pan out, it was uh, just one of those situations where Bob cared um, with, with David Pritchard, of course, we were huge Armored Saint fans. Bob was there very much in the early days. And we, we obviously shared that connection, um, you know, attending um, David's uh, services. But at that time, we, we, it was, you know, it was discussions about, you know, discussions, discussions about the old days and the shows and things of that nature. And, um, one, I, I think what we, we, we had discussed was a particular show with Armored Saint, uh, that I, we, we had attended big shows when they wore the, the armor, the whole thing, and it came out, and, mm-hmm. uh, John Bush dressed up in armor, a big sword fight, the whole thing. And this is when they were literally wearing armor. That was, you know, that was the mm-hmm. whole thing. And then, um, when we were at, uh, Gina's uh, services. Um, we, we, we had discussed that. And then we had discussed that particular show where I, I remember how long it took me to get to, you know, it wasn't driving at the time, how long it took me to get to Perkins, uh, for the show. And I forgot, I, I think he, he was still in Orange County at the time. And I said, I go, I don't know how you got around. I don't know if you had a driver's license. And we, this was sort of afterwards, after, you know, the, the services had happened and uh, we were, we were reminiscing about the show. And then as we, we just mm-hmm. sort of just snapped back into the focus about how much energy it was to be up front and just to, to enjoy that show. And, um, and then we were just turning positive, um, situation, you know, turn turning the situation more positive about what Gina did, the venue that it was held at, and the band that performed, all, all circumvented about with, with, with Bob. And we were able to just remember um, the good times mm-hmm. at a very sad occasion. And I was happy that people were able to say, some great things at uh, celebration life for Bob. And, you know, it's just, just a little ironic that when we had that um, event, you know, John Bush is the first singer, uh, excuse mm-hmm. me, the first um, speaker. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, it's a little full circle, just a bit. Um, okay. Whereas, that band has been synonymous with Bob and, you know, that th- those are things I'll miss. Um, and just remembering um, just little things. Those are things I'll miss. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, um, the more happier moment with, with Bob was just being a part of his, the last things that he was working on 
uh, last several years was, you know, the Inside Metal, all the the many different uh, documentaries that he um, has put together. Just asking me to take part of it, just to sort of give my, you know, you know, my history, my background, anecdotal things. Asking mm -hmm. me to take part of it was was a big deal to me and the scheduling and all the back and forth for him to ask me to do that because you know you want to get the bands because that they really made the scene but there was the people behind the scenes that um, also were just as important and i think you know in the discussions that we had off camera i'll just summarize this we had many things in common his passion was my passion and for me to uh, be part of his, some of his final work, um, that meant everything to me because I am um, with rock and heavy metal. That's the one area that I will always be passionate about. And um, he wanted me to share that in his, his docs and that 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 I will always be appreciative of. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Well, thanks for appreciate you sharing that with that us. Will and and yeah, and Bob, you know, he's he's that's one thing about him is you know he's always looked out for you know for really anybody that he saw that had something to share or he just saw something in. And um, whether you were a big, you know, it was a, a musician or just a, a, someone, he was a friend of his or whatever. Yeah, he was always, that's the one thing he was, he's always including everybody into everything. He just, he loved yeah, seeing yeah. people connect and, and watch people create relationships with each other is something he always, you know, I know had a passion for too, which was great. And um, yeah, so I appreciate you, you sharing uh, yeah, that he, with us, Will. Um, yeah, sorry, good. Yeah. No, I was gonna yeah. say he he was the metal conduit. I'll call him that. The metal conduit. The Armenian yeah. was the metal conduit, and uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I, I agree. Yeah. So just uh, you know, just get ready to wrap this up. Well, like I said once again, appreciate you coming on and sharing some words. I mean, is there any any last words here you, that you have that you you know wanted to say about Bob or to Bob or just before we wrap wrap it up here? Well, I'm I'm sure that everyone's given their. Um, their thoughts about what he's meant, meant to them personally, and what he's done for um, for the music scene. I, I I would hope that anyone seeing this or or seeing any of the documentaries for the very first time enjoy what's said in the footage. Know that the bands are talking about an era that will never ever happen again in our lifetime. But meanwhile, we have it forever. Mm -hmm. And with the blood, sweat and tears that Bob put into it and all the, uh, everyone that he's worked with, Joe Floyd, Toby Bad, Carl Alvarez, on and on and on. Everyone that has helped Bob get those up and running, um, just know that he he was one of a kind and he meant what he said when he told you about music you will have the opportunity if you've never met bob before you'll have the opportunity to hear his voice 
see his likeness and with the documentaries and all the the, the podcasts uh, and all the footage that exists, um, I hope it will be archived. I hope it will be accessible for anyone wanting to know more about um, who Balbanian was uh, because this is an area in which if you particularly are picking up you know your a rock and metal album for the very first time just know that uh someone not only many people were were before you but there were very few rare people that can give you um such a dissertation and really the history of what you're listening um that is just will never be matched uh, many i mean if you think of the the term idiot savant that was Bob, mm -hmm. and he's he was like this he was like a storyteller you know and that that's like again long just conversations about again again lyrics album covers tours solos mm -hmm. yeah you know it's it's it's, it's ha and then having this having these conversations in person not not on text not an email in person that was that was the the the, the big deal uh, about bob and about that era so again if you're discovering uh the documentaries uh produced and directed by bob nobanian um please appreciate what you're seeing and what you're hearing because a lot went into it because he was someone that was all about it and again i'll miss my friend I miss my friend of four. <clears throat> Held it together till the end. <laughs> um, I will miss my friend of 40 years. And um, I, I, I want to again thank everyone who has uh, who was always had something good to say about Bob because I don't know of any bad. I, I don't. Thank you for doing this and uh, appreciate it. Yeah.